0: Um, So I'd like to start off with a question this morning. Um, Have or do any of you um, have or had a really fun aunt? Really fun aunt? A handful, yes? Yes. Okay, so I I happen to have two of them, um, and they're both my dad's sisters. And the one I want to talk about today is my Aunt Penny. Now, my Aunt Penny, just for reference, when I talk about fun... Um, She is the one that when I was six years old, uh, for Christmas, she bought me my first BB gun. Uh, She is the one that at VBS taught us how to use a sling like David by dropping a rock in the leg of a pantyhose, swinging it above your head, and letting go, Uh, which was a lot of fun until later that night when I gave myself my first black eye. Uh, she, is, she was the one who, at Easter, we were having a massive um, water gun fight with all of the family, and she told us to gang up on my grandpa. And, and in the process, she told us that and then ran inside and locked all the doors. <laughs> and so naturally, as kids, we, we listened to her, and we all ganged up on my grandpa and soaked him from head to toe. Uh unfortunately what we didn't realize was my grandpa hadn't had a chance to change and was still in his Sunday suit. Um and so he wasn't very happy and proceeded to uh break our water guns one at a time over his knee. Uh and then he told us that if we ever came to his house he was going to throw us in the horse tank. Um But what I remember about my Aunt Penny in my childhood is that she was always a part of the shenanigans of whatever us kids were getting into. Um, She was always very active in that. Uh, And today, not much has changed. Uh, She has uh, four daughters um, who grew up and got married, and they have their own kids. And so now my Aunt Penny has ten grandchildren, nine of which are boys. Um, Yes. And so, but what's great is she's still super active and a part of their lives and loves to have fun with them. And so the reason I wanted to talk about my Aunt Penny has to do with this picture here. And so what you see here is my Aunt Penny in in her garden with some of her grandchildren, and they were working and pulling weeds and doing some different things um, when Zane, the one on the left, happened to find a, a worm. And so naturally, he dared his grandma, hey, you should eat this, and And my Aunt Penny, being the fun-loving spirit that she is, agreed. And so she told him, I'll I'll eat half of it if you eat the other half. And so what we see in this picture is she had just plopped the worm in her mouth. And I just love it because if you look at the faces on her grandchildren, as they're just mortified that she actually did it. (laughs) And what's great is not after this, Zane didn't really think she was going to do it, and so then he got really worried because he didn't really want to do it. And so he got up and tried to run away, and she chased him down and held his mouth open and made sure he ate his half of the worm. Um, but so one of, my, one of my big questions for this morning is, is, why in the world would a person eat a worm? I mean, it's gross, it's humiliating, it's definitely not something you'd expect from a full-grown adult. And the, the, the answer lies in one word. Uh, no, it's not crazy, um, but it, it, it's in the word humility, in the word humility. And C.S. Lewis probably has one of the fam- most famous quotes on humility, and he says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Uh, and the more I learn about humility, the more I realize how important it is in our everyday lives. And so, if you'd want, you can start um, turning to Philippians chapter 2. Um, in, the, in the Bibles, in the pew, it's on page 819. I made sure to write it down. Um, page 819. We're going to be in Philippians 2, and I will begin reading in verse 1. So this is Paul talking, and he's writing this letter um, from a prison that he is in. And he says... So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus and so if we pause there for a second, um, one of the nice things about the book of Philippians is it 's very straightforward with what it 's trying to tell us and so when Paul is telling the, the Philippians here that we need, they needed to be of one mind of, of humility, and um, he, he is also saying that to us that we need to have one mindset this And he'll go in a little bit further and give an example of this mindset. But he's saying we need to all be of this one mindset of humility. So if we continue in verse 6, we see probably the most beautiful example of this mindset in the entire Bible. Uh, And so Paul, talking about Jesus, says in verse 6, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this this probably is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it shows the depth of what Jesus did on this earth, it shows us the depth of his humility. And really, this, this passage is a paradox to anything we find normal in, in people around us. I mean, why would a, a divine being who is God, who shares authority and power and glory, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with God, why would he give that up to become a servant? And what's great is, uh, is Jesus didn't just go from equality with God to serving God, but Jesus went lower than that, and he served his own creation, who ironically, without fail, never ceased to fail him. But to make matters worse, we have this divine being who comes down and then out of pure humility and love decides to serve us. And so what do we do? We kill him. But the cherry on top is that uh, the, the way we killed him was a criminal's death. Right? We have... This person who comes down, left equality with God, came down to serve us, and and at the same time as we kill him, we try to make the one innocent person look guilty. And Paul gives us an example, and he says this is the type of mindset that we should have. The mindset that Christ had when he did all of this for us. I mean, can you feel the depth of the love and humility there? Uh, there's another passage of Scripture that I want to look at um, that literally mirrors this one in Philippians, and it's another uh, that gives us a great picture of, of Christ's servanthood. So if you turn with me to the book of John, um, chapter 13, I believe it's on page 751. I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. uh, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing. Now, this outer clothing was a sign of Jesus' authority amongst his disciples. It was uh, his clothing that signified him as their rabbi, their master, their teacher. And so it reflects our Philippians passage that he let go of equality with God, right? He took off his outer clothing. He set his authority down. What we see next is it says that he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And here we see that Jesus is literally taking the form of a servant. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus serving the people that once served him. And if we skip down to verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place also a reflection of our passage in Philippians, uh, that Jesus was exalted back into power. He, he put his outer clothing back on. He assumed his position of authority again, just like in Philippians when God exalted Jesus after he had died on the cross. But what we see in both the, the passage in Philippians and this passage in John is that Jesus is intentionally putting himself in a position of humiliation. Now, I don't know about you guys, um, but I don't do well in circumstances of humiliation. I, I, I'm not fond of those circumstances. Uh, when I, so when I was in high school, um, I kind of lived under the shadow of my older brother, Eli. Uh, we were a part of a lot of the same things. And, um, and one of those things was we both played the trombone in band, right? Super cool. Um and so, but um, when my brother Eli was in high school, he was first chair trombones. He was, he was the best trombone in the band, and so he got the hardest parts and, and the solos and those types of things. And so he graduated after my freshman year, and I stepped into the role of first chair trombone. We had a really small school. Um, and, yeah. And so... There was one day, and we were practicing, and we had this competition coming up, and I had this solo that I needed to get down, and I was really struggling to get this solo down. And, and one of the guys in the band turns to me, and he goes, you know, I bet your brother probably could have played that. And it's like, oh. Like, I was already frustrated, and that just took it to a new level. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to walk away. And so I sit down my trombone, and I go to leave the band room. It was like the middle of the class. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm just done. And, and I got in a little bit too big of a hurry, and as I was frustrated making my way out, I tripped over a chair and fell into the drum set. <laughs> yep, yep. It just made matters worse. Um, you know, I knocked half of it over, and I mean, if you can imagine what it would sound like to fall into a drum set, I mean, it was like the ultimate. Ah. But so yeah, you know, once you've gone through a moment of humiliation, the odds of you intentionally going back to one are, are not likely. But again, what we see in John and what we see in Philippians is that Jesus intentionally put himself into a place of humiliation. And what's great about the Bible is that we know why he did this. And so I'll just read this for you. And it's in Romans eight thirty seven through 39. It says, Know in all these things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will we be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through the pain, the suffering, the extreme humiliation, Jesus wouldn't allow those things to separate us from his love. Jesus' humility in Philippians 2 is unconditional love put into action. Now, our moments of of humility are probably not going to look exactly like those of Christ. It's more likely going to look like Eating a worm with your grandchildren in the garden. It might sound weird, but what my Aunt Penny did that day was she gave her grandchildren a memory they will never forget. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm sure years and years will go by, and you know, they will think back and they will see that moment and they will remember the love that their grandma had for them. And all she did was eat a worm. Um, and, and it is, it's oftentimes with children that we face these moments of humility. You know, it, it might be, you know, if a child is pretending to call you, you have to answer. Like, there's no other option. You have to pick up the phone and talk to them. It might be getting down on your hands and knees and pretending to be a horse. Dads, it might be joining your daughter for tea time. Moms, am I being the baddest cowboy your son has ever seen. And it's funny because you see videos of parents doing these things on Facebook all the time, and they're very popular, and it's because people recognize that in these moments of humility, you can see the love that the parent has for their child. And these moments of humility come around in all of our relationships. Wives, maybe... Maybe your husband really likes golf or basketball or some really technical sport that you're just not good at. I mean, we, we all have something we're not good at, and it's just kind of embarrassing when you try, and you don't really like to. But how much love would it show for him if you participated with him, and, and your love for him trumped the feeling of humiliation? Or husband's um, I, I don't know, maybe you're like me. I, am, I do not have an artistic bone in my body. Like, I could not paint a tree if I tried. I mean, it, was just, it would fail. Um, but how much would it mean uh, to your wife if she loved painting and, and you went to one of those places where you were able to paint together? Uh, these are some simple moments of humility that can show our love in action uh, but you know, children and spouses, um, a lot of times, sometimes, can be easier to love than other people. Um, would you go through humiliation for the sake of a coworker? Would you go through humiliation for the sake of a person you don't know? Maybe even worse, would you go through humiliation for a person who doesn't like you? There were a lot of people that put Jesus on the cross. Yes, Jesus died for us, but those Pharisees, the people who paid Judas to betray him, Judas himself, Jesus saw them and he died and went through humili- humiliation for them just as much as he did for us. And so maybe you have a coworker who is just blatantly rude to you all the time, and they really like to tell your boss about things that you might do wrong. But one day they come into work and you notice something um, it's just on their mind. Maybe the printer got jammed one too many times and they're frustrated. Right? We have a, we have a moment of, of possible humility here. We can ignore it, or maybe we could talk to them, see how they're doing, invite them to lunch. We could put our love into action for them. Maybe you're at a restaurant. And you, you have that waiter or waitress who just hates their job. They really shouldn't be in the service industry in the first place. Uh, you know, it takes 15, 20 minutes to get your drink, and you're waiting there to order, and then you see them in the corner talking to one of their friends. Not, not that they're busy, they're just, they just don't care. You know, what do we do in those moments? How can we put our love into action? Uh, every day we have choices. Helping the old lady across the street to rake her yard. This might sound familiar. Dressing as an octopus, fisherman, and crab at VBS. Picking up trash you find while out on a walk. Maybe it's eating a worm with your grandchildren. Pretending to drink tea out of a cup that's obviously empty. Painting a picture that's really supposed to look like a lion, but ended up looking more like a llama. Or there are those people that can be really hard to love. Are we willing to let nothing stand in between us and our love for them, just like Jesus did for us? Let's pray. Ah, Dear God, I just thank you for this morning, and I thank you um, for this time of year, and that we can just reflect, especially on what you did uh, during this next week. That your love for us would trump any feeling of humiliation. That you would go to the cross for us. That you would die a criminal's death for us. Help us have this mindset that Paul is urging the Philippians to have. Help us love others with such a force that nothing will separate us from being able to to be humble and to show our love to them. Um, We thank you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.